Section sixty six of A Fair Mystery. This is a LibreVox recording. All LibreVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibreVox.org. Recording by Gabby Cowan. A Fair Mystery by Bertha M. Clay. Chapter sixty six. A Quiet Wedding Advocated. What did that little note mean, Doris? asked Early, with a smile. You see that I obeyed you implicitly. Even as he spoke, he stood still, lost in admiration of the beautiful picture before him. Although it was summer, there was a bright little fire in the silver grate. The lamps were lighted, but lowered, so that the room was filled with a soft light. The hangings of the rich rose silk were drawn. The long mirrors reflected the light. The flowers filled the air with perfume. And in the very heart of the rich crimson light sat the Lady Doris. She was half buried in a nest of crimson velvet. The firelight had caught the gleam of her jewels, the sheen of the golden hair, and the light in her eyes the white dress it seemed to shine above all on the white jeweled hands that lay carelessly clasped on her knee she had told the countess early good call and that she wished to speak to him so that she knew her tete-a-tete -tete could be quite undisturbed early looked at her thinking that there had never been so fair a picture in all the world then he repeated his question she looked up at him and he was struck by the unusual expression in her eyes he knelt down before her and took one white hand in his that cruel note he said depriving me of a pleasure i cannot enjoy too often what did it mean she did what was very unusual with her she clasped her arms around his neck. Oh, Early, Early, it is strange what rest I feel when you are near me. I will tell you what the note meant, but you will laugh at me. I do not think so, darling. I have laughed with you, but not at you. I knew that tiresome Lord Vivian was coming, and he tries my temper so. He will admire me, and I do not want his admiration. Then why keep me away, darling? I might have saved you from it. No, I knew you could not. I was obliged to go down to dinner with him, and it would have tried my temper too severely if I had been compelled to sit by him and could not have been with you. You may think it a stupid, childish reason, early, but it is a true one. I was determined, if I could not talk to you, I could not be annoyed by seeing anyone else do so. He looked slightly puzzled, but, as he said to himself, it was one of her caprices. Why not be content? If my staying away pleased you, he said, I am doubly pleased. Yet it struck him as he spoke that she had lost some of her animation and brightness. How beautiful you look in this light, Dora, he said, 
Why, my darling, a king might envy me. One of the white jeweled hands rested caressingly on the noble head of the young poet. He had never seen Dora so gentle before. My darling, he cried, his face glowing with this rapture of happiness. My darling, you are beginning to love me so well at last. I do love you early, she said, and for some minutes there was silence between them. She had a certain object to win, and she was debating within herself how it was to be won. It is like a fairy tale, he said. Why, my darling, looking at you, I cannot believe my own good fortune. You are the fairest woman in England. You are noble. You are high in station. You have the wit, the grace, the noble bearing of a queen. I have nothing but the two titles you have given me, of gentleman and poet. Yet I shall win you for my wife. It is so wonderful, this love that breaks all barriers. Money could not have brought you to my side. A millionaire might love you, but you would not care for him. Title could not win you. It is love that has made you all mine, all mine, until death. She listened to his impassioned words. She looked at the handsome, noble face, and a sensation of something like shame came to her that she should have to manoeuvre with a love so grand in its simplicity. Still she must save herself. Her arms fell with a dreamy sigh. The firelight shining on her face showed it to be flushed and tremulous. Early, she said, do you remember how I used to long for a life like this? Long for the gaiety, excitement, wealth, pressure and perpetual admiration i remember it well i used to feel so puzzled to know how to get it for you now i have it more than even my heart desired you will not think me very fickle if i tell you something i shall never think you anything but most charming and lovable doris well the truth is, I am rather tired of the life, but I do not like to say so. I cannot think why it is. Sometimes I think it may only be fancy that I am not as strong as I used to be. Perhaps the great change has been too much for me. Let it be what it may. I am tired of it, though I cannot say so to anyone but you the queen of the season tired of her honours said early kissing the sweet lips and the white brow i am really tired early then though admiration is always sweet to a woman i have rather too much of it that prince permal is making love to me the marquis of heather made me an offer yesterday and lord vivian teases me now early it is tiresome it is indeed dear my mind my heart nay i need not to be ashamed to say it are filled with you i do not want the offers of other men their love and admiration declaring our engagement would soon put an end to all that he said thoughtfully but that was not what lady doris wanted 
she wanted him to urge their marriage yes she said we might make it known but people would not believe it it would not save me from the importunities of other men he looked wonderingly at her after all it was a new feature in her character this threat of lovers that is not all early she said clasping her soft warm fingers round his hands i tell you no one but you this life is a little too much for me before i had recovered from the great shock of the change i was plunged into the very whirlpool of london life do not imagine i have joined the list of invalids or that i have grown nervous or any nonsense of that kind it is not so but at times i feel a great failure of strength a deadly faintness or weakness that is hard to fight against a horrible foreboding for which i cannot account her face grew pale and her eyes seemed to lose their light as she spoke i am sure she continued that it is from over fatigue do you not think so early yes he replied now what is the remedy i know the remedy it could be to give all up for a time and take a long rest a long rest her voice seemed to die away like the softest murmur of a sighing wind early felt almost alarmed this was so completely novel this view of doris who had always been bright piquant and gay you shall go away darling he said tenderly but early she said my father and lady linleigh are enjoying the season so much they have so many engagements i cannot bear to say anything about going then i will say it for you i shall tell lord linleigh to-morrow that you have exhausted yourself and that you must have a few weeks of quiet at linleigh court what will he say early if i judge him rightly darling he will say little but he will act at once before this time next week you will be at linleigh do you really think so i am so glad yet she shivered again as she spoke i long to go to linleigh early yet i have such a strange feeling about it a strange presentiment a foreboding surely no evil no danger awaits me at linleigh do you know i could fancy death standing at the threshold waiting with outstretched arms to catch me again her voice died away with a half hysterical sob early bent over her and kissed her my darling you are fanciful you are tired i am so glad you have trusted me it is high time you were attended to these nervous fancies are enough to drive you mad the evil has gone further than i thought doris my love my sweet it is only the reaction from over fatigue that gives you these ideas nothing else what awaits you but a future bright as your own beauty what shall i live for except to love and to serve and to shield you early she cried suddenly do you know what i wish a long shining tress of golden hair had fallen over her shoulders and she sat 
twining it around her white fingers. Do you know what I wish? she repeated. No, if I did I should do it. You may be quite sure, Doris. I wish that we, you and I, were married, that I was your wife, and that we had gone far away from here, away where no one knows us, where we could be quite happy, alone and together. Do you really wish that, Doris? he asked. Her face flushed slightly, but her voice did not tremble. I do really wish it, she replied. If papa were willing, we would be married this summer, and we could go away early, to some far-off land. Then, when we had been happy for some time, we could come home again. I should have grown quite strong by then, and I should have found health, strength, and peace all with you. There was a strange mingling of doubt and rapturous happiness on his face. Do you really mean these stories? he asked. Could you, the queen of the season, the fairy subject of man's worship, could you give up all your triumphs, all your gaieties, and prefer to live in quiet and solitude with me? There was a slight hesitation for one half moment. He was so noble, so true. It was pitiful to use his great love for the obtaining of her own ends. But she must save herself. She must do that. You may believe me early, she replied gently. If it could be, I would far rather it were so. Then, darling, it shall be. My head grows dizzy with the thought of it. You, my peerless, my beautiful Doris, will be my own wife when the summer comes. Why, Doris, listen. Oh, listen, love. Do you know that I never fully realized that I was to make you my wife, though I have loved you so passionately and so well? You have always seemed of late far above me, like a bright, shining star to be worshipped, hardly to be won. When I said to myself that at some time or other you should be my wife, it has been like a dream, a bright, sweet, unreal dream. I do not know that I ever fancied you, sweet with bridal veil and orange blossoms, yet now, you say, you will marry me in the summer. That I will, Early, she replied. Heaven bless you, my own darling. Heaven speed a happy summer. Why, Doris, I can see the gold of the laburnums, I can hear the ring doves cooing, I can see the smile of summer all over the land. Mine in the summer, dear heaven, make me worthy. There is but one thing, Early, she said. I, you will think I have changed, but I cannot help that. I want a quiet marriage. It would please me best if nothing were said, even about our engagement. But if I could go quietly to Linley and keep the secret of our marriage to ourselves. That is what I should really like, Early. Then it shall be so, my darling. Now do not give yourself one moment's anxiety. Shut those beautiful eyes and sleep all night. 
dreaming only of summer roses and your lover early i shall see your father to-morrow and i shall tell him he will be quite willing i am sure you are very good to me early she said gratefully how foolish i was ever to think that i did not care for you and to run away from you was i not that is all forgotten love he said and she felt that she would have given the whole world if it had never happened End of chapter 66 Recording by Gabby Cowan